Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and this week my guest is professional off-road racer for the factory and pro Yamaha team, Liam Draper. This episode is brought to you by Moto America. See the fastest racing on two wheels. It's Moto America Superbikes at Ridge Motorsports Park, June 23rd through the 25th with five racing classes, including 190 mile per hour superbikes and round two of the Super Hooligan National Championship. It's fun for the entire family with available VIP packages for the ultimate fan experience, including rider meet and greet and a free swag bag. It's Moto America Superbikes at Ridge Motorsports Park, June 23rd through the 25th. Reserve your tickets and camping spot today at MotoAmerica.com. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Liam Draper to Pit Pass Moto. Liam, appreciate your time today, and congrats on your recent XC2 win at the last GNCC round. That had to feel pretty darn good, I assume. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for having me on. But yeah, no, it was definitely a good feeling. It was, it's was. it been kind of a long time coming. The two GNCCs before that were two close second places. The uh, one in Indiana, I lost it 50 feet before the finish due to a lapper, so... It's good to finally seal the deal. Um, kind of a hometown race to me from where I live now over here. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I wouldn't call it a dry spell because you've been like you've been a podium contender like since you arrived here basically back in 2018. But I think your last win was September of 2019 at the same exact place in Mason-Dixon in uh, Mount Morris. So I imagine that uh, a place is pretty special to you and uh, probably made it even more special getting your second win there. Yeah, Definitely. I live about 15 minutes from Mount Morris, 90% of the year, so that race is uh, super close to home, and it's the soil I ride a lot of the year, so it, um, it definitely was cool to get a race that close to home. So are you kind of close to um, Morgantown then, or uh, I grew up going to Mount Morris quite a bit for motocross races, and I just love that area. It just seems like such a good vibe in that whole Morgantown, you know, southwest Pennsylvania area. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm about 30 minutes in Waynesburg from Morgantown, so 30 minutes north. So you've been, as I kind of alluded to, you've been here for some time now. You moved here to the States from New Zealand back in 2018. And from what I read, actually, you were probably going to be here sooner than that, but you had an injury. But how did this whole thing come about where you decided that, you know, I'm going to go to the United States and, and race uh, off-road? Yeah, I was meant to be here in 2017, but I had an injury that took a while to fix with some surgeries and stuff. But no, I just kind of was racing in New Zealand and um, I'm super good friends with Paul Wibley and um, also Ben Townley. And they were kind of like pushing me to pursue my dream. And, you know, if I had stayed in New Zealand, I could have raced 
as a hobby and um, had to work and stuff. But uh, I got an opportunity with KR4, an old team, which is no longer around, to come over here and they were going to help me out. And I bought some bikes and got some support from them. And yeah, I came here, just knew no one. And they picked me up from the airport and I went from there. I lived in my sprinter van for two months and yeah, just kind of progressed from there. Yeah, I think I saw too where um, you mentioned that when you first got here, you ended up kind of hooking up with Stu Baylor and you were sort of like live with him for a few years. So I, I can only imagine how that was. You know, like he's, we, we all know he's a, he's definitely a character in the off road scene and uh, probably had you eating ice cream and drinking beer after a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I met, met Stu uh, at round three in Georgia. I was just happened to be walking the track and um, I was just out there and I just got talking to him. And he said, why don't you come back to that, my house next week and ride with us? So I just went back there, rode, you know, I've, always kind of watch videos of Stu and was like thought it was super awesome to ride with one of those guys in XC1 Pro and then it went from there to go back to his house to dinner he's like where are you staying I said oh just in my van at, at a track or wherever and he's like crazy <laughs> so, and then I ended up staying the night and then it progressed to two and a half years of staying with him and um, I mean I could be in this position but I don't think I would be in this position without him you know I met a lot of people and he pushed me a lot more than I think I ever would have myself. Just the resources he had and he took me under his wing like someone to go to the track with every day and train with every day and I was joint to his hip for two and a half years and I'm super grateful for it and um, it definitely was, there was a lot of fun times. Stu's just one of those characters, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Pastrana, I feel like when you're around him, he's there's always going to be something going on, some kind of shenanigans, you're going to be pushing each other doing something it seems like. Yeah, you don't know whether you're, you're going to do motos in the morning and you could be bow fishing in the afternoon or <laughs> it's just, there ain't no talent but you're always doing something till from sun up to sundown with him so <laughs> it was cool and we're still i mean i hadn't even known him a year and i was in his wedding and now we're we're still good friends and talk on a daily basis so it's cool well there seems to be this like decent history of racers that come out of new zealand that are good at off-roading you mentioned paul wibley already Another rider that comes to mind is Rory Mead, who had some great success in GNCC. Like, what is it about New Zealand that seems to produce great off-road racers? I mean, I don't really know. I mean, our tracks over there are nowhere near as rough, like, physically as they are over here. But we have the tight trail and lots of different... I mean, I grew up riding in the mud on a 65 and a 50. Like, there's only one way to get around, and you got to figure it out, like... <laughs> I was riding ruts and pouring down rain on my P-Dub, you know, and I think I also grew up from 11 years old to about 16 or 17. I rode trials full time and then I got off a trials bike and went and did motocross for two years and then I ended up here. So I kind of have a background with trials and I did it all really. And Rory was the same way. Paul didn't do the trials, but I know... I used to ride trials with Rory's dad, and I'm super good friends with Rory, too. It seems like you also came from a racing family, from what I understand. Your dad having been a racer, and I think he might have even competed in the ISDE for, for New Zealand one year. And so I, I assume that that just has to be a big help, you know, kind of a leg up, having your family just be behind you, your dream, 100% like that. Yeah, definitely. And my dad, 
was the one who got me into it. He's raced ISD in New Zealand for New Zealand and then four days in Australia and he's been on his butt on bikes his whole life also. So it's something I started when I was super young and he's been behind me and my sister's super active with sports and so my mom was with her going to play sports and me and my dad would go off racing every weekend. So we were definitely a, a sport family and um, it was cool. So like when you first came here in 2018, you were part of the KR4 program. At that time, they had that arrive and ride program, which was pretty neat. I think it brought a lot of people from around the world to come over and actually get to try GNCC for the first time. But um, after that, I think you landed with Tele Energy, and I assume that probably had was that connection with you know, Stu Baylor there. And I think you've been with them until last year. And then this year you get approached by Ampro Yamaha. So so how did this this deal come about for 2023 with the uh, Ampro Yamaha team? Yeah, the Tele team was definitely a lot to do with Stu. And the four years I had there was good. Um, but I was ready for a change. I'd been on an Austrian bike since I was 16. So that's all I'd ever known. And yeah, me and Randy started talking middle of last year, kind of feeling things out and... Um, just trying to see what he had going on for this year and it worked out and I I got a ride with them and it's been nothing but good with those guys. I have an awesome mechanic and the other mechanics on the team are great and Randy himself is super knowledgeable. You know, he's he's done it for so many years and won lots of titles and nothing's a problem, which is so cool to be on a team that you can call up at any point and want to try something and nothing's a problem and Randy's knowledge goes a long way. So, yeah, I'm stoked with, with the Ampro team at the moment, and things have been going good. We've seen that with so many racers recently. It seems like where once in a while they just get stuck in this sort of rut in a way, and then they get a new change of scenery, like you said, and then all of a sudden it's just something changes. And, you know, we've seen it with you this year. You've been, I think you what five podiums, including that win. And so it just seems like things are really clicking for you right now. Definitely. Um I've got a great bike. Um, I'm super happy with that. And yeah, I feel like I'm in a good position. Um, two points out of the lead right now. This time last year, I think I was about seventh in points. So we're in a lot better position. And um, yeah, just good team and good people around me definitely makes a massive difference. So where are you based? You said you're living in Waynesburg, but are you based there like the whole time or do you get to go down and train with like Ricky Russell and Travel's rest area? Yeah, so January February, a um, little bit into March. Uh, I'm in Florida. Me and Ricky actually had a house this year in Claremont just by Zach, our other teammate Zach Osborne's place. So we rented a house down there and then came up and I stayed in Traveler's Rest at the Yamaha shop with Ricky up until Camp Coker. And then uh, I've back, been back in Waynesburg since. But it's been good in Waynesburg this I mean, there's a lot of people around this area. I ride a lot with Craig DeLong. We have a bunch of tracks around here. My sponsors, Carry Resources, has a property that we have a bunch of trail on. So me and Craig ride there and train there a lot and spend a lot of time together. And then Ricky's around in town here and there. And there's a bunch of people around. So it's been good. But no, I'm just happy we're riding where I am and just a good bike. Well, I would imagine like Thad Duvall's probably not too far from you there either. Yeah, he's where you've got he's about you know. three hours from me. He comes over, we'll go to his place. So he's right next to the kind of by the John Penton. We'll get back to the conversation in one moment. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm curious to know what, what's a typical day look like for you? Like, so for example, for today on a Monday, like what's, what's your routine? Like, are you doing mostly stuff on the bike or off the bike at this point in the week? Not too much is happening today. Um, I just got back from a national Enduro late last night. Me and Craig drove back from Georgia. So today I was kind of just cleaning gear up and getting stuff ready for the week. But tomorrow will be cycling and gym and normally i ride three times a week and in the gym a couple of times and on the bicycle it just depends i mean this week i'll probably do do more workload due to not having a gncc or an enduro this weekend but then the following week will be back down a little bit going into snowshoe kind of taper down so that you're not coming in tired i assume yeah yeah you don't want to be burned out coming in on a sunday you know so you mentioned that in addition to gncc you're also competing in the national enduro series is that kind of a secondary focus for you like is, is gncc really the primary goal or is it kind of just e- are they weighted equally the same uh gncc is is the pretty big focus for me the xc2 class there is is the main goal um i'm also doing pro 2 at national enduros which is going good but yeah the the big one is gncc yeah you're leading that right the uh enduro the the pro 2 yeah yeah yeah, i'm leading the enduros i won one pro 2 yesterday and got my first overall podium i was second so i was pretty happy with that they're pretty opposite it seems like gncc to me i just feel like it's higher speeds you know more more flowing tracks whereas national enduro's got some pretty slow speeds but then i thought you know like you mentioned that you have that trials background where you you seem like you're pretty well-rounded as far as your background and your skills yeah no the enduro's are fun i had a blast yesterday um it poured with rain for the last three tests and it was just muddy no goggles and um i don't know i just enjoy it and the other races that we go to where it's super rocky and you got to run the gummy tires or even a trials tire is where I really like it. But it's just something different, a one-day format racing. It's, you know, you can drive down there, grab a hotel and race and come home. It's kind of a little more uh, low-key than a GNCC, but it's still a national race. Yeah, no, I think I read something where you like to set your bike up the same for both, right? And it seems to be working for you. Yeah, I ride the 250 in both, and both sets of suspension are the same, and the gearing's the same. I went a little softer on some stuff this weekend, but other than that, it's pretty much the same bike. Run what you brung, huh? Just get on it and ride it. (laughs) Basically, you know, yeah. (laughs) Well, as we talked about, so it's been just an awesome season for you with five podiums in GNCC. You're leading the, uh, you know, the national enduro series i assume the goal is to try and wrap up both titles this year but as we mentioned like gncc obviously is the primary focus and that would be just uh icing on the cake if you could land both of them yeah no that's that's my goal i'm uh definitely hungry for this xc2 gncc championship um i feel i've been in this class long enough now kind of that i know how it all works and know the tracks and and things like that and got a an awesome team that want to win behind me now so the big goal is to win this xc2 championship and then hopefully wrap up the pro 2 
series. So any thoughts of your future beyond that? Like, are you thinking maybe, you know, like going up to the XC1 or maybe even some extreme enduro? Because that, that series seems like, you know, with your background, having that trials experience, it seems like that really helps in that type of a series. Yeah, no, um, XC1 was is definitely the end goal. Um, I want to be there and be up with those guys. So hopefully that, that comes within the next year or so. But uh, yeah, the extreme enduros, I'd like to get back to them. Actually, when I was on Teal and on KTM, KTM gave me the opportunity to do some. They, I got a 300 from them and I raced TKO and a couple other events, which was uh, super cool. I love that kind of racing and I do get to bring out my trial skills a little more there. So that was cool. Yeah. Do you get to ride, you know, kind of in preparation when you train, do you get to ride a bigger bike once in a while, like a 450 or like you're saying, like the maybe even a 350 just to kind of start working towards that next phase of your career? Yeah, I have a 450 Yamaha here that I jump on every now and again and um, go play ride and have some fun. So I am am riding a big bike every now and then. Yeah, because you seem like you're like... I mean, from photos I've seen, obviously I haven't met you in person, but you seem like you're a little bigger rider where a 450 might end up actually suiting you better when you when you end up there. I mean, I'm I'm not super big, but my, I think my riding style doesn't have a problem with riding a bigger bike. I rode a, a 450 a few years ago for a whole winter, so I'm not super aggressive on a bike, and I think I would be okay on a 450. Yeah, that, that Jet Lawrence buttery smoothness, huh? <laughs> yeah, man, that kid makes it look easy, don't he? So easy. I mean, it's not even fair, really, because you just look at him and you go, he doesn't even move on the motorcycle. His head never moves. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's, it's it's pretty impressive. I feel like we're seeing a paradigm shift as far as riding style right now because it's, you know, just the way he stands and everything else. And I would assume that kind of stuff will make its way into off-road as well because it's just really, he's so efficient on the motorcycle that I feel like he ends up saving energy in the end. Definitely, and... I think Chase Sexton's the same way. I, a couple of tracks I rode in Florida this winter is where Chase rides. And, yeah, watching him ride up close on a daily basis was is definitely impressive to watch how easy they make it look. But it's definitely not something I'd want to be doing, especially watching those guys go through a set of whoops. Yeah, yeah no doubt, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm no, out. thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, who would you say right now is probably your biggest competitor like slash rival at the moment? It seems like you and Ruby Barbosa and Cody Barnes, like you guys have been just kind of, well, Mike Witkowski too, throw him in there. It's like four of you guys just going at it right now in that class, it seems like. Yeah, I would say uh, if I had to pick two, it would definitely be Ruby and Cody. Last DNCC, it was close, but the one before that, me and Cody went at it for three hours in John Penton, so... I think it's going to be a close championship. I think XE2 and XE1 are going to come down to the last round, to be honest. I hope it doesn't, but I think it's going. Good for the fans, but not for the stress level, right? (laughs) Oh, no, it's terrible. Well, I assume you probably have had a lot of really good memories already, and you're like, what, I guess five years plus you've been in the States, and probably a lot of great memories, but what are are some of your favorites so far from, uh, from your time over here? I would say um, the one big one was probably getting my first win over here in 19 or 20. That was that was definitely special. I actually had my uncle over here for that. He flew over. So it's cool to get your first win. And then uh, even the last win two weeks ago was pretty special. Um, my fiance has two boys and her oldest one is into it. And um, 
at the jump in when I came across the line in second to see how happy but also bummed he was for me to be in second was tough and I knew I couldn't let him down at the next one and then to see him at the finish line of the last GNCC we just had the first person in line you know with tears and a big red face is is pretty cool so yeah I've had a lot of good memories met a lot of awesome people over here and had some had some good times do you get to go back much at all or you know to New Zealand uh, I haven't been home in three years. Oh, wow. Uh, Jeez. My, my dad was just here for the John Penton GNCC, and my sister is actually coming at the end of this week, and I haven't seen her in three years. I've seen my mom and dad within the last year and a half, but I haven't seen her in three years. So I was home for 2019 Christmas. Yeah, I mean, that just shows you the, the sacrifices it takes you know, to come over here and chase your dream like that. Yeah, definitely. And now I have a, a family over here. My fiance has two boys and her family is super nice, but just some other good people that are around me, you know, they say surround yourself with good people and good things will happen. And I've got some, some cool people in my corner that are always helping, but just the whole GNCC community that, you know, there's anyone's willing to lend a hand. I mean, like Stu, he opened his doors to his house that someone he had never met and I'd never met him really. And ended up living with the guy for two and a half years. So it's definitely cool. Yeah, I don't think there's a, a sport that's much more accessible than GNCC racing in my mind. You know, it's like, it's up to you. If you want to go walk the track and you get hit by a bike, it's your own dumb fault, you know, because you just weren't <laughs> Yeah, exactly, Not right? Yeah, no, it's definitely was eye-opening when I first came here. We don't have, I mean, we do, but it's not big. And I think I may have seen one quad race in New Zealand my whole life so when you come over here and they're racing can-am thousands and <laughs> at that time they were still racing side by side so that was even more terrifying yeah they, they're pretty weird the first time you hear them too you're like what are these things you know because it's they make some strange noises right? <laughs> definitely but no it's super cool i was actually just just got home from being out at high point motocross track with tim carter i'm gonna build a stasic track for the kids to play on on saturday out there so Definitely cool. I'm uh, trying to help out the the use of the sport. Absolutely, I love that place too. It's such a great facility. It's just a beautiful setting, and then like well, the, the national coming up there this weekend. Just a ton of good memories from that place. So it's cool that you've won there twice. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, definitely. So now it'll be cool to go watch the Pro Motocross boys this weekend, and then head to Snowshoe next weekend. Well, like you said, it's got to be cool. Like, so you, you met your now fiance here, obviously. And, you know, it's like you're making this, sounds like you're making this this family here stateside and things are just really uh, coming together for you, it sounds like. Definitely. I uh, really enjoy it here in Waynesburg. Just some good people around and lots of people to call and call upon if needed and um, plenty of people in my corner that help me. Well, one last question here before we wrap up this this episode. But so if you weren't racing right now is there something else in your life that you're just as passionate about that could potentially fill that two-wheel void yeah i know i um i i love driving equipment that's why i'm actually going to build this stasic track um i just enjoy driving bulldozers skid steers tractors excavators all that stuff so i think maybe down the road when racing's done i would maybe see myself doing that or i know this area here is big for gas and oil and one of the guys that helps me has a business in the gas and oil industry that i have a lot of interest in and um i think that would be something too well liam really appreciate you spending some time with us today and telling some of your story and 
congrats on your season so far. It just seems like everything is clicking for you. And, uh, yeah, hopefully come the end of the season, maybe you'll have a championship or maybe even two. Right, yeah, that's the plan. Hopefully we're talking at the end of the year with a number one play. Well, anything else you want to share before we uh, sign off on this episode today? No, just thank you guys very much for reaching out and uh, having me on. Well, you're welcome anytime, and we'll have to check in with you again here later in the season. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmoto.com where you can listen to past episodes and purchase your very own Pit Pass Moto swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson and the production team at Wessler Media. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.